scripture reading this morning is John the 13th chapter and the first verse. John 13 in the first verse. The Pew Bibles, that's page 954. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Isn't it hard to believe that we can say camp is in one month? Uh, we want to remind everyone, uh, especially our young people and those that have young people in your family, now is the time to run by information center and pick up a brochure. Now's the time to register. There are uh, a limited number of spaces for camp just because of the size of the facility, uh, but it is a tremendous time. It'll begin June the 7th, so be sure and make your plans for that, and we look forward uh, to seeing the great opportunity that is and the spiritual growth that it is for our young people. We also I want to continue to remember in our prayers uh, Nepal and the terrible earthquake that has happened there. You know, the Highland Park congregation in Muscle Shoals, uh, just outside of Florence area, has worked in this area of the, the world for about 25 or 30 years. And recently we've seen pictures of destruction uh, like this. And, and what we also have learned is out of the 5,000 that have died, at least five are our brothers and sisters in Christ. But there are probably over 2,500 in the area that was, that was hit the hardest. There are probably 2,500 brothers and sisters in Christ in that area. And so uh, we have a lot of brothers and sisters that are hurting as well as a lot of brothers and sisters of mankind that are hurting. And we see from this picture the reminder that there's a lot of spiritual opportunities in the midst of these physical opportunities to help and so let's be prayerful. Let's be mindful of everything that we can do. I just want to show you this last picture. This is a picture that was taken about a year or so ago. And it was a gathering of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of these people had walked three days to come to this, this uh, seminar uh, that was a Christian training and ministry seminar. And uh, I, I just want to put some faces uh, with the news that's taking place and be reminded uh, that, that there are a lot of people around this world that are looking for places to live and they're trying to build back in the morning uh, the loss of those that they love. Uh, let's begin with a prayer. Let's bow. Most gracious God, uh, we are humbled and heartbroken as we think about our fellow man around the world that have had such a difficult eight days. And we realize for many of them, their life will never be the same and for many of them, it will take years uh, to build back. And God, our prayer is that you will bless them and that you'll give us the wisdom to know best how to help. God, our prayer is uh, that you will strengthen <clears throat> the church that is there. Our prayer is that our brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would be bold and that they would stand strong and that this could be a wonderful time of growth in your kingdom. God, our prayer is that your love will shine strongly. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen.
connect for life. That's quite a statement. Connect, to be interlocked, to be connected for life, permanent. We are so accustomed in this world to talking about things being optional, being temporary, being short-term. It's interesting to think about what does God want and how God loves things to be lasting. Let's give that some thought this morning. On a lighter note, I've shared with you in the past some stories about the country boy from the South moving to Long Island, New York, and the cultural shock it was and the cultural experience that it was. I want to briefly share with you a story that I was reminded of just at family day when some of us were visiting and, and uh, talked with another that had been from Jersey, from New Jersey, and uh, we were exchanging some, some cultural stories, and, and I shared this with them, and I hadn't thought about this in a little while. When Tracy and I had passed through Manhattan and we were on our way to the end of Long Island to live, uh, we had put off eating uh, as we drove through Manhattan just because it's kind of a, a challenge to get through Manhattan. And so once we, we uh, were out on the island, we said, you know, let's, let's stop and get something to eat now. And we both love pizza. And of course, New York pizza is some of the best pizza it is. So we said, let's find a pizza place up here. So we pulled off the interstate there and, and went in a little pizza place. And true Italians uh, are there. And the challenge is now you have an Italian, sharp, Long Island accent trying to communicate with me. And, and I also want to remind you, we're going back about you know, 25 or so years ago, and there's some things that might be a little more common now that at least in Brushy, Tennessee, was not common at all. Number one, in my life, I'd never heard pizza called a pie, and I'd never seen it sold by the slice. At that point in time, all you did is you walked into a pizza, not a pie, a pizza place, and, and you ordered a small, medium, or large. So I walked in just as you would in the South. I walked in and I'm looking for a small, medium, or large. And I just kept staring at the menu because I couldn't find small, medium, or large. I just wanted to know, would a small take care of both of us or do I need a medium? And so as I'm staring at the, the, uh, the, the, the guy operating this place becomes a little pushy. And he's like, can I take your order? Can I take your order? And I'm doing small, medium, how big is your medium? And he's like, slice of pie, slice of pie. And I'm like, medium? Slice of pie, slice of pie. And we go around a few times and I realize I'm not going to get anything except slice of pie. And I don't have a clue. Number one, I don't even know what the words he's saying. And I definitely don't know how they pertain to pizza. And, and so finally I give up and I turn around to Tracy and I say, I can't do this. I don't, I don't know what he's saying. And so she tries a few rounds and she gets the same answer every time. Slice of pie, slice of pie. And she finally catches on. And, and she says, she says, yeah, pizza, uh, pie. Yes, pie. And and so then we order a couple ingredients on top. And I really don't know, remember how that went. And then so I'm feeling relieved because now we're paying and we've got all the difficult stuff over with. And he comes out with, with another phrase. To stand a go, to stand a go. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> to stand a go, to stand a go. I, I, I don't know. To stand and go. And finally, I looked at I said, I don't, I don't know. What, what, is he, what is he saying? And, and so she goes this round a few times. And, and you remember, at least back in that day and time in the South, it's real simple. It's going to be dine in or carry out. Dine in or carry out. To stand and go. To stand. And finally, she gets it. And, and she says the words, here. Of course, he doesn't know what that means. 
And, and, and she says, and he says again, to stay and to go. And, and she says, uh, uh, to stay, to stay. And, and so there's a lot more to the rest of that whole dining experience we'll spare right now. But here's the thing that, that I want you to see. Think how many view their relationship with God in that very same way. Well, I think right now I'm going to stay a little while, but later on I'm going to go. You know, I'm, I like religion and I like coming to church sometime. I like reading my Bible. So sometimes I like to stay with God, but other times I like to go. I like that option. I like to be able to go on vacation and just forget God. I like the option to go to work and be able to just forget God and come in on Sunday and stay. I like the idea to sometimes go home and stay with God, but truthfully, sometimes when we're at wit's end and we're fighting each other, I like the convenience of being able to leave God and dispute with my family the way I want to do it. This morning, I want to invite you into a study that's so important that on one hand, we'd almost say, surely we all have got it and maybe we don't need it at all. But yet at the same time, we know the frailty of our human nature. We know how we can become weak sometime, and we know how we can easily become misguided. And what is it that the Lord wants as we think about this idea of connecting for life? I think about our perfect example in John the 13th chapter in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, remember all the times before this, he'd always said, my hour has not yet come, my hour has not yet come. The very next day, he's going to be crucified. And so now he's saying the night before, my hour's come, my hour's come. And so notice that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world, that is die. He's going to leave this world and go to the Father, having what? Loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. Why did Jesus come to this earth? He came to this earth because he loved the Father and he was willing to do the Father's will. Why did he come to this earth? Because he loved us. Why did he come to this earth and willing to even go to the cross even the night before? And I want to remind you sharply of this. This is the night, the same night that he was dreading going to the cross this is the same night he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays, Father, please let this cup pass from me. But then he would conclude that prayer three times with, not my will, but your will be done. And so there's this, there's this spiritual wrestling match going on within Jesus. And a part of it says, to go, to go. I don't want to deal with this. And the commitment says to stay and so that very same night, he describes his love for them by saying here, John says, he loved them to the end. How do we prove our greatest love to God? We prove our greatest love to God by staying, by staying with him at all times, connecting for life. We know what it means when we pull out our laptop or, or a tablet and we need to connect to Wi-Fi, and we are told there are no connections. Get that? There are no connections available. 
It doesn't mean that they don't exist, and it doesn't mean that your tablet doesn't exist. It just means they're not going to be connected right now. We understand what it is to have your electricity disconnected. It doesn't mean that there's not electricity running out the wires right out on the street. It's just no electricity is going to be running through your refrigerator and through your lights and through your air condition. It's disconnected. We can imagine what it is for a car of a train to be coupled or connected to a locomotive and they move in unison. We can imagine when they're disconnected and the locomotive pulls away and leaves the car in the yard. We can understand what it is when we have a laptop and we have a projector sitting beside it and, and we connect the two together in hopes that then whatever the presentation is on the computer is, is shown on the screen. And if you've ever done any kind of public speaking or making presentations at work and you've been the one connecting that and you're the one that's about to make that presentation, what's going through your mind? It's going through your mind very much so, I hope this connects. I hope that the projector begins to project what is on my computer. Are you connected to the Lord? Are you connected to the Lord for life? Really, if you had to be honest this morning, it'd be more like, you know, I love coming around here some. I love appearing to be religious. But if you're asking me to connect to the Lord for life, I'm not really interested in that. And you see, that's the decisions that we have to make. We've been looking at this great expectation theme now in our fifth month. And we've briefly reviewed, but this morning, I want you to see how this particular topic ties back to and runs through everything we've studied. Look with, if you will, to Joshua, Joshua, the 24th chapter. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that we want to choose God, that our responsibility is to make a decision. And if we don't make a decision at all, that is a decision. I want you to remember back in the days when the children of Israel had left Canaan and they went down into Egypt. But then as long as they stayed in Egypt, they began to leave God and begin to reflect more of the gods of Egypt. Then they were delivered by God and you would think now they would be sold 100% upon God. But then there were other neighboring countries that their gods appealed to them also. And so you literally have Joshua standing before the children of Israel saying, look at your history. Look who you've been. It's time to make a decision. Who are you really going to connect with? And so uh, uh, we have looked a lot at Joshua 24 and 15. This morning, I want us to go a little bit further as we look at this point as it relates to connecting for life. Look at Joshua 24 and 15. And it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were on the other side of the river, say back in Egypt, or the gods of the Amorites, that's your neighbors around you in whose land you dwell. And then he says, look at the decision I've made. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, pause right there. If we're going to connect with the Lord for life, imagine if we're Israel standing right there and we're thinking, well, you know, I grew up around those Egyptian gods. I like it. Or, you know, I'm kind of new to the Amorites around here, but I tell you what, there's a lot of sensual stuff about their gods that really appeals to me. I like this freedom to do what I want to do with my body. I like their gods. 
And then you have Joshua standing saying, God's not going to allow a smorgasbord of gods. And you take a little bit of Egypt and a little bit of the Amorites and a little bit of him. You're going to have to make a choice. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. Are you going to choose him and stop the back and forth business? Are you going to stay with him? Let's read the next few verses and, and notice how that is what's being taught. I'd like to skip down to verse 20 for expediency's sake, but notice how he's crying for them to forsake or not to. In verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you're a witness against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, see, if, if you're going to make that commitment, with that commitment in mind, here's what you are required to do, 23. Now, therefore, he said, number one, put away the foreign gods which are among you. Number two, incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. Israel, what are you going to do? We want to choose God. Wizard, do you realize you've kind of talked like that in the past, but the problem is you still have your, your spiritual veins running through these other gods too. And so Joshua enlightens them and they say, okay, we're going to make this commitment. We're going to turn away from the other gods and we're going to incline. We're going to lean. We're going to pull strength from. We're going to gain our guidance and our salvation from the God of Israel. And notice with that came the idea of service and obedience. We'll serve him, we'll listen to his words, and we will obey him. If we're going to connect with our Lord for life, we must realize that anything that is against God's will, those are the things that we must separate from. And we must come to the Lord with a commitment that says, I am in this for the long haul. I am in this for life. But number two, we realize as we come to the Lord, we're to love him with all of our being. But I want you to notice, especially this morning's sake, that this love isn't just a temporal, a temporal thing. It's, it's, it's not something that's lighthearted, but yet it is a connection for life. Look again at John, the 13th chapter. I know we just read this again, but I, I want you to think about the example of Jesus. The end of this first verse said, he loved them to the end. But do you remember he loved them to the end. But do you remember what they were going to do that night? Judas, one of the ones sitting there, was going to betray him. One of the other ones sitting there, Peter, was going to deny him three times. And all of the rest of them were going to forsake him. And what did he do? He loved them to the end. What an example. When we think about this, love for all, we say, okay, Lord, I want to choose you, but I want to be selective about who I love. There are some people at work I want to hate them. And God say, you can't choose me and hate them. I have family members. I'll be honest with you, God. I just don't like them at all. I hate them. God says, you can't choose me and hate them. There, there are people that I'm prejudiced against. I was born into a family that there's just certain people we hate. You can't choose me 
and hate them. Brethren, this connection to the Lord is for life and this connection is to learn to love others the way God loved others and we are to love for life. And so Jesus, even the very ones that were going to mistreat him, he was committing his life and giving his life for them. Later in this same chapter, look there in the 13th chapter in verse 34 and 35. Remember this was where he had just washed their feet and then after washing their feet, he's on his way to die for them and he stops and gives this teaching in 34, a new commandment I give unto you, you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that what? You are my disciples if you have loved one for another. The Lord says, you wanna connect with me? The way you connect with others and showing love to them will show whether or not you are connected with me. You connect showing the love that I have for others, you will prove that you're my disciples. Have you noticed that, that no one ever looks at, at someone taking care of orphans and says, you know why they do that? The devil made them do it. Nobody says that. You don't, you don't see people that are in, in, in weakened states long term and most of the world forgets about them, but yet there will be groups of people that won't forget about them and they'll serve them for years and years and no one ever looks at the one serving them and say, look at those evil people. You, they are so evil. They're just constantly doing good to help others. I know you're saying, well, David, that's, that's kind of a given, but no, think about what does that mean? The way we love others identifies with whether or not we are a disciple of the Lord. Someone says, I want to connect to the Lord. Do you realize we're going to have to connect by the way we love others all the time? How do we treat our enemies? How do we treat those that are difficult to be around? How do we treat our family? How do we treat our church family? What is our commitment to the Lord? Do we really love him? Notice, in all of these, we can't control what the other people do, but we can control what we do. We can control if we love them, if we're willing to serve them. Just like that night, I know you're going to betray me. I know you're going to deny me. I want to wash your feet with no other motive than I love you. I know you're going to turn your back on me. I want to go down the cross for you with no other motive then I love you, and it's the right thing to do. Connecting for life says, I'm going to love others long-term because that's a decision I get to make. I decide to do that because of who my God is. For time's sake, I want us to look at 1 John 3, we're not going to heavily develop it, but I think from what we've just said, this same apostle, the apostle of love, John, before the New Testament closes out, he writes three short epistles. Will you begin reading with me in verse 14 with very brief comments? In 1 John 3 and 14, think about this love and how it is to be enduring, how it makes us like Jesus. We know and truthfully make this very clear. We can only love like this if we first received it from God. We can't do this within in ourselves. It's from God. We know that we, this verse 14, 1 John 3, we know that we have passed from death to life. You want to go from spiritual death to life? How do you do it? Because we love the brethren. That's how you can identify it. He who does not love his brother abides where? Spiritual death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. There's no doubt that John is going back and pulling some teachings from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, the fifth chapter. Verse 16, by this we know love because 
He laid down his life for us. How do we know this love? Look, look at the cross. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now pause there just a moment. Oh yes, I tell you what, I love my brother so much, I take a bullet for him. I love my wife so much, I take a bullet for him. No, do you love him this much? Verse 17, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Brethren, the love that the Lord requires us to learn and to give to others for a lifetime is a love that is full of humility and servicehood that is engulfed with generosity. I will sacrificially give to you because I love you. Not because I figured this out upon my own, but because I first received it from God. He generously, sacrificially loved me. And because of his love for me, I have learned to share that same type of love with others, a connection for life. But we need to live truth and as we think about this truth, remember John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Skip down to verse 15. You see where he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, pause there for just a moment and say, well, what kind, of, what kind of love and obedience are we talking about here? We're talking about this obedience is an inseparable expression of, of love that we have for God. And so we see that this is a connection for life. And so I just want to pause and just ask you this morning, how much do you love the word of Jesus Christ, the New Testament? How much do you love the word of God? Can you join in with the psalmist as he spoke about the word of God in, in Psalm 86 and verse 11? Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forever. You remember recently when we talked about bearing fruit because we're living this truth? We studied in John 15, 4, 5, and 6. Four times in two verses he says, abide in me. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless it abides in me and I am the vine and you are the branches who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Who bears much fruit? Those that abide in him. But notice this abiding is for life. And he closes out verse five by saying, for without me, you can do nothing. And then in verse six, he says, if anyone does not abide in me, you see, it's a connection for life. We stay connected. We are able to produce fruit by his gracious goodness. If we will not connect, we cannot produce fruit. And so this connection is for life. And so Jesus, many times, and we'll just give one brief example as we think about this connection for life. Many times individuals would want to follow Jesus, and it may seem strange to you and I, but he'd almost say, whoa, 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 put on the brakes. I don't know if you understand that what I'm asking you to do is do this for life. And you remember on one particular occasion, we see it recorded in Matthew and Luke, the uh, ninth chapter. At the very end of that chapter, in Luke, the ninth chapter, they wanted to follow Jesus. And one guy says, I tell you what, if you'll just let me go back and bury my father. He says, no, let the dead bury the dead. No, he said, let me go back and tell my family farewell. And this is the closing remark of Jesus, Luke 9 and 62. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, 
is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Lord, what do you want of us? I want you to choose me first and forever. First and forever. A connection for life. Throughout human history, there are a couple stories like this, but one is told of Cortez whenever he took 600 Spaniards and went into Mexico. And as he arrived on the beach, it was no doubt a scene that those 600 men would not survive. There were too many in the way for them to succeed. But it is said that he gave some of the most arousing motivational speeches that any warriors have ever heard but they said the most powerful three words that he said was burn the ships. With that command, all of the ships which they arrived were burned. And then he said, if you think of retreat, remember, it's not an option. Victory or death. I'm begging you this morning. How do you look at the Christian life? How do you look at your commitment to God? Do you have some boats back here that your mind is always going back to? Or have you put your hand to the plow and said, it doesn't matter how difficult, how challenging, I and connected to God for life. We're about to sing a song of encouragement. I want to encourage anyone here that hasn't made that kind of commitment to make that commitment this morning. I want to encourage you to realize that there's a lot of good that we can do on a seasonal basis. And I don't mean to make anyone feel belittled to say this, but please get this. God is not looking for seasonal. God is not looking for in and out, in and out, in and out, when that is your determined plan. Now we're thankful that God always lets us come back, but He only lets those come back that are committing their life to Him. You don't play games with God. So this morning, if we can pray for you as you long to be restored to Him, we'd be honored to ask God to forgive you. Maybe you've never become a Christian. We'd be honored to see you baptized into Christ for remission of your sins. But all year this year, we've been thinking, what does God expect? What does God expect? He expects a lifetime commitment. Amen.